following is a presentation of Foosball Radio. It's Foos Talk Live. You talking to me? Compelling and lively banter. Are you going to talk to us? Talking foosball. Foosball was how I measured my value as a man. You took that away. Players and fans, promoters and pros, unedited and raw. Talk, talk, talk. Living in the moment. We have a lot of important things to talk about. All while practicing social distancing. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. Let's get this thing started. Foos Talk Live. Hi, this is Tom Robinson, and I want to personally thank our Patreon pillars for their support of Foosball Radio and Foos Talk Live. Here's a Patreon shout-out to Mike Veit, also Rob Cutler, Ernie Bischoff, James Sparky Castillo, Alicia Bilges, Christina Fuchs, Carl Fleischer, Jay Teal, Brian Schmidt, Cameron Burrows, Jimmy Love, Dwayne Stewart, Judy Schober, Reed Rector, Mike Green, Adam Gilson, and our friends from the 716 Buffalo Foosball Club. Thank you. Your support brings continued and expanding content from Foosball Radio as we cover the greatest sport on earth. Visit patreon.com forward slash foosball radio to find out how to become a Foosball Radio Patreon. Booze Talk Live is brought to you by Original Leonhardt. The Leonhardt Tournament model is the most popular foosball table at the ITSF World Cup. Designed and handcrafted in Germany, order online and have it delivered to your door. Visit www.original-leonhardt-usa.com and use promo code FOOSTALK to save 10% off your purchase price. And we are live. Once again, it's episode number 196 of Foos Talk Live. Hey there, I'm Tom Robinson. Thanks for joining us on Twitch TV tonight live. And of course, later on when you download this episode, uh, when it comes to your favorite podcast site. And by the way, for the next hour, we're going to talk about foosball. And of course, it certainly pays when you've got somebody else who loves the, t- the subject of foosball from the great state of Alabama. That would be Randy Raposo. Hello, Randy. What's up, Tom? What's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing. Finally um, getting back to normal from the kickoff. Are you so, feeling better? Because yeah. I know last week you were a little under the weather, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, I don't know. I ate something today. and But anyway, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> you? I'm glad you ate something today. So. Oh, I ate something. Oh, yeah, I ate something. Okay. Yeah. It, it hopefully, yeah. hopefully it agreed with you. Negative. No? Okay. Well, hey, if, you're, if you need to bail, <laughs> just let me know. Uh, oh no, nah, no! Nah. I drank some Pepto. I'll be all right. Nice. Okay. Well, so yep. uh, what's been happening for you this week? Have you been uh, doing any uh, local DYPs? Have you been playing out at all? No, nah, no. Nah, just um, it's been a little busy. I got a couple houses under contract. Plus, work's been a little busy during the day. So, just been uh, putting around at home, touching the table. You know, gotcha. regular stuff. Um, got a got a text this week from. Uh, Dewey Culpepper, talk to Shannon Coley. I don't know if uh, nice. people have seen it, but they they got a big one coming up next month in Mississippi. Yes. So, uh, Shannon's Shannon's putting on a five grander. It's going to be really, really good. If you're in the southeast region of the country. Oh, cool. Or anywhere else and you can make it, come down to Mississippi uh, March, I think it's 15th, 16th, 17th. Okay. It's going to be it's gonna be really, really good. And what's, yeah. the, what's the venue? Yeah. Um, it's going to be 
at uh, it's gonna be at their local place. I believe it's called the Back Porch. Back Porch. It's a restaurant. They serve. I think they serve some crawfish there. Of um, course. I was supposed to go to a tournament there last month, but uh, the weather, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. They had a they had a little tournament there, but they had like twenty six teams in the open. Wow. Um. Yeah, and like nine or ten teams didn't go because of the weather. So huh. it's a good spot. Sh- yeah, Shannon's gonna have a bunch of tables. Like I said, man, Shannon Coley doesn't do anything small. If you know Shannon, you know what's up. It's gonna be a really really good event. They're doing open double singles, mm-hmm. pro doubles, expert double singles, amateur double singles. Uh, I think they're running a draw, and um, it's gonna be cool. good. It's gonna, we it's gonna we be need good. to yeah get Shannon and uh, and Dewey on. Because those guys are quite, yeah. a, quite a team. Uh, we've had Shannon on before, and I don't believe Dewey's made it before. So we'll have to uh, get them both on. We'll have maybe, to work on that. Yeah, maybe yeah. just before the, the big tournament. Um, wow. So I know we, we've, what is it, been, uh, two weekends now since Kentucky. And I'm still thinking about it. Man, it's just, there's just so much that happened that weekend and so many great matches that took place. And, of course, tonight we're going to continue that conversation because now we're very lucky. Last week we had the, the winners of Expert Doubles. This week, yes. it's going to be winner of expert singles on expert TKO. Expert singles. So uh, yes. from the great state of Connecticut, let's welcome Ivan Klonowski. Is that how we pronounce your last name, Ivan? Yes, that's right. Ivan. Yeah, Some people also call me Vanya, but you've asked me about the last Va- name. Vanya. What? Va- now, is that, a, yeah. is that a nickname? Sort of a cute version of my name in Russian, because in Russian they have Typically, each name has a formal version, which would be Ivan, in my case. Ivan. Ivanya would be for friends. So it's like, if you're talking to a professor or a person whom you really, really respect, then you use the formal name. While if you're using, like, if you're with friends, if you're of a similar rank, then you can use the informal name. Well, I think I understand what you mean, because people call me dumbass all the time. That's informal, though. Oh, well. I guess they. I, I guess it's a term of endearment. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so Ivan, um, is your middle name Drago? <laughs> no, it's not. My middle name is Alexandrovich. Oh, ah. Alexandrovich. Okay. And and let everybody know you you are you are Russian from Russia, correct? Yeah, I was born in Moscow. I'm originally from Russia. Nice. Gotcha. And how old are you? I'm 28. 28. 28. Dude. Wow. Yeah, you look like yeah. you're you look like you're 18. It's gonna so, say. Gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. Babyface. So you are a student at Yale, uh, getting your PhD in economics, correct? Yeah, that's right. Dude, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So when do you when do you find time to play foosball? So I have a table at home, and so sometimes, I th- especially before the tournaments, I try to play in the evening. But the, the problem is that I don't have that many people to play in my area. Right. So mm-hmm. I have to yeah. go to New York City if I want to practice. Got it. And how far, how far of a hike is that for you? It's about two hours on a train. Oh, wow. Now, if memory serves, I think you've, uh, uh, from New York City, have you been to any of our smashdowns in, in uh, Clifton Park, New York? Have you, in the past? Yes, I went there twice, I think. Yes, I do remember that now. Yep, I recall that. Uh, and, and a great player, by the way. Uh, been watching some of your matches, and I have to say, pretty impressive five row you got going there. Uh, I think that uh, you might have even given some trouble to Randy at one time. Would that be true? Yes. Trouble, yes. Trouble. 
<laughs> Trouble. So, so Tom, you want to you want to ask him the the question? Oh, the standard uh, the honorary question. question. Well, of course. Yes. I mean, one of the things that happens here on Foos Talk Live, especially the first time on the show, is uh, it's a tradition to ask you first of all, how uh, when was the first time you saw a foosball table? How old were you? And uh, what kind of table was it in Moscow? So, first time I saw a foosball table, I think it was in 2012. 2012. So it was my first year of college in Russia, in Moscow. So there was a, a very old Roberto sport. It wasn't even a professional version of Roberto sport. But no so kidding. people were playing on that table. And so that's the first time I saw a football table. But then it took me about a year to actually get enough courage to start playing. Mm -hmm. Maybe I touched the table in 2013. But it was a Roberto sport. Huh. Now, was this, uh, I know some of the Roberto sports I've seen have like a plexiglass top on the table, uh, so you can't reach into the table. Is that one of those, or was it a, what is a more, uh, more contemporary model? No, I think it was more, it was more like a professional table where the ball would go and you, you could pick it up. With gotcha. Your hand. You, yeah, gotcha, there was gotcha. no glass top. Okay. Yeah, no. So, so go ahead, Tom, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that that's, uh. That's an interesting uh, place to start, of course, because, well, there's so many other tables out there. When was the last, what was the first time you saw something other than a Roberto sport? So the, uh, I think it was in maybe 2014 when I actually started playing. And so some people who are really into foosball in our college, they crowdfunded. And so they asked the university to buy them a proper table. Nice. And so they bought the Garlanda World Champion. Oh, Nice. So, so having played in college in Moscow, and then what year did you come to the States? I came to the States in 2019, I think. Mm. 2019. And then, and then did you start playing foosball right away? Did you find a scene? Oh, I played quite a bit in Russia. So I think in Russia at some point I started competing. And so I played on Garlando mm -hmm. and, uh, I would go to tournaments. I did pretty well in the Russian tournaments. The scene was not as big as in the U.S., obviously, but there yep. was some competition. And I even went to the World Cup a couple of times. Did you? Oh, wow. Nice. nice. Yeah. That was one of my one of my uh, questions was, okay, uh, for 2025, are you going to be playing for, uh, for your home country or will you play for us? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that would be my dream, of course, but I don't think that it's possible because I know that these days they play on different tables there. So they play on Leonhard. They have certain local events where you can play to qualify. Mm -hmm. I don't think, like, first of all, I don't play on their tables. I, I don't play on Leonhard. And I think there are also really good players there that will probably win, a, win against me. So mm -hmm. I don't know, but maybe one day, one day. So the level of player there compared to the level of player here, like, you know, like you're a, you know, you're a high level expert player here. Obviously you just won expert singles at the kickoff and, and you don't think that, you know, you think the players in Moscow, you, you wouldn't be very successful against their high level players. Like how would you compare their high level players to our high level players? Well, I, it's a difficult question. So I think I will give you sort of a long answer that will also, just, I don't know. And describe what I did when I played there. So when I played there, 
Uh, we played on Garlanda, and Garlanda is a slightly different table than Tornado. Mm. Yep. I think it requires sort of a lot more ball control, mm-hmm. and it's a lot more unequal in a way that if you've been playing the game for a while, you just have a lot more ball control, and you'll, be, you'll play better on that table. You'll be able to execute things better. It takes a while to get some kind of game, like to get a proper pass, get a shot on Garlanda. Just the ball control is so much harder. So in Russia, it's sort of the game was slightly different in a way that like I didn't have to think and think and read the game as much as here because here more or less everybody above a certain level has a proper game they can pass they can they can shoot while mm-hmm. there it was a bit easier when I was competing I think my best result was I took the third place in the Russian Cup in singles nice I also won some local events in both doubles and I think maybe in singles but I don't remember. So that was sort of level, and there was only one. There was one guy who was sort of consistently better than me. He was, I would say, my first coach, Alexander Markin. He mm-hmm. was the only professional foosball player in Russia. He was like the Tony Friedman of Russia because he started okay. playing when he was a kid. He actually went on to the World Cup and he won the Junior World Cup. He was playing, and Ryan Moore was playing there. I don't know if Tony okay. was playing there, but so he beat he beat all those guys in the Junior World Cup. Beat Ryan Moore? Can, uh, I don't know if they played, but he won the okay. Junior World Cup in the year when yeah. Ryan Moore was playing. Wow. But, I mean, yeah, I well, I think people fail to understand. Like the World Cup's been around for over twenty years now. It's been it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, Ryan's Ryan's in his thirties, maybe. I don't want to thirties. Yeah. Well, I think mid, I think mid Ryan's like 30s. 34, 3, 4, 5. So you figure 20 years ago, Ryan's 15 ballpark. And I don't think he was there at that time. I Look, I played a limited with Ryan in 2003 at North Carolina State when he was like 12 or 13 or wow. so. Uh, yeah, he might have been 13 or 14 or something like that. So, But I know he wasn't competing internationally in the early 2000s. Uh, so... You know, it it might have been maybe it was mid two thousands. I think Ryan Ryan won. Uh, what was Ryan beat Fred at one of the worlds when he was like seventeen or eighteen. Um, any anyway, anyway, I'm I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah. to have somebody win to have somebody win at that level, even at the junior level at the World Cup, that's that's big, man. That's a big deal. So, um, you know, in the Garlando table, Billy Billy won. Billy's a world champ on Garlando. Garlando's a different table. People don't understand. I, I, I played on Garlando. I like the table. It is a different table, different feel, glass top. The men are they're molded to the rod. The rods are light. You can do a lot of crazy stuff on those tables. They're they're um I think they're just faster. I mean, Tornado's a fast table, it really is, but Garlando is you have to have exceptional ball control on Garlando. You really, really do. Mm-hmm. Um It's a tough so, table to play go- on for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going from playing on Garlando in Moscow to coming over here and getting on Tornado, like what was your, uh, you know, like your impression of Tornado foosball when you got here and started playing? Well, first, first of all, when you get here, you know, you do you find a scene? What's the scene like? And, and you know, how does that whole just kind of walk us through American foosball for you when you got here, please? Let's see. So I think the first time I arrived, I met some people in the New York City. They're, yeah, they, they have like a couple of places where they play. 
think Victor Lamb is one of their main players, mm -hmm. who is sort of the men yeah. mentor for yeah. everyone. I've known, I've known Victor a long time. He's a great, great guy. I love Victor Lamb. Victor Lamb's awesome. Yeah. And he's my mentor as well. So mm. I arrived to the U.S. Sort of the first, the first thing I do, just like leaving the plane, because I'm so into foosball, I search where I can play. So Fat, cats. Fat cats, Fat yeah. cats, downtown New York. Oh yeah, that was great. And now it's no longer Fat Cat these days. It's called Sour Mouse, but mm. essentially more or less the same thing. So they went from a cat to a mouse. Okay. <laughs> we we uh, paid a visit to Fat Cats right after the uh, the airing of Foosballers, the movie there in New York City, and uh, went to a, a great DYP there uh, after after the movie was shown. Uh, at the uh, at, well, it was uh, for the, what was called, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the, the soccer club that's there, but they always air soccer movies every year, and they included foosballers that year in their, in their, uh, their film festival, so we all went down to watch this uh, foosballers, about 450 people in the audience watching, and then and all, all went to, out to Fat Cats afterwards and just took the place over. But uh, yeah, it great, was great. It, it was a good spot. Yeah, yeah. They had. I remember. I I I've played there before. Uh, obviously, not not when it's called, when it was called Fat Cats, but it was jazz club, right? They had yes. jazz music playing. They had oh, yeah. ping pong tables. Um, and I remember back then, Victor was there. Um, Ellen Moon. Ellen Moon used to play there. Um, Mike Burns, who's a Georgia guy, was going to school in New York City. He was playing there. Um. They, I mean, New York City had some really, really good players. Still do, they still mm -hmm. do. But um, they they had a really good scene. They actually had a bunch of players that would come out and play that never toured. So you would play people that that love foosball, come out and play their local every week, but never went to a tour stop. So um, just so you knew. find Victor. Yeah, so you find Victor. You find the location. Was that the first time you'd ever played tornado foosball? Uh, no, I touched tornado at the World Cup. Mm -hmm. at the world cup okay i played it a couple of times and I, I somehow was quite good on tornado better than other russian players so i immediately loved it a lot more than galando because it just gives you so much more ball control and like the cable you can do a lot more things in tornado yeah so and the game is faster so we, yeah, yeah. Well, going from Garlando to Tornado, the ball control, absolutely. If you can control the ball in Garlando, then Tornado's easy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So we so have a, you start playing NY. Sorry, Tom. Go no, ahead. That's okay. I was just going to say that uh, on uh, we're we're on Twitch TV tonight. We have a, a lot of viewers. Uh, one of which is awesome. uh, Carlo uh, has been following your career according to what he has to say, and it uh, says you have talent. And uh, would like to ask you a question. Would Would you uh, take a question from Carlo? Yeah, sure. So is Carlo, he gonna join the show. Yeah, well, he's going to have to type it in. So uh, it says you. Uh, you warm up your hand. Uh, you warm up your hands before a game. Is that that? That's a question. Um, but he wants to know if you warm up your hands before a game. <laughs> well, in Russia, that was an important thing because it was cold, and so yeah, I had to warm up my hands. In the US, it's much yeah. <laughs> so okay. So, so yeah, how do thank you? Thank you for the question. Yeah. How do you warm up your hands? That's what he wants to know. How do you warm up your hands? I warm up my hands in my wife's shirt. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Ivan. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Carlo. Sorry. Thank you, Carlo. <laughs> I have a tennis ball, and so I can just squeeze it. 
Be that's how I warm up my hands on my wife's shirt the same way, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, somehow I knew we were going to go there. Just, just knew. Sorry, you okay. you saw what he did, Tom. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's uh, uh, now. Do you know Carlo, by the way? Yeah, he he is my neighbor. Well, not my neighbor, but we're in the same program. Gotcha. He's also a PhD student in economics. Love it. Wait. Does he play foosball with you? Uh, no, he doesn't play, but I think he knows how to play foosball. He's from Italy, and they there they play a lot of foosball, but it's very, very different from the way we play it. Oh, yeah. Italian style. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Never stops. Italian style, baby. It's fast stuff. I like it. Oh. Um, so what was your first, what was your first, like, tour stop in the States? I think it was either Florida State or, uh. Maybe Worlds. I think it was Florida State. What year? 1920? Wait, no, 20 was COVID. 2019. Just before COVID, yeah. Yep. yeah you're... How'd you do? You remember? I, I did surprisingly well in singles. I thought, like, uh, I think they put me in amateurs. I was sort of winning and losing, but I remember that I gave Sullivan Rue a tough match. Like, I almost cool. Cool. Yeah, she was even 2019. She was definitely on the on the rise, and she's always been a beast since she was very young. So yeah, yeah she, that's saying something. Yeah, she was our. She was already. I think she. It might have been the year she won her first singles, women's singles. Mm -hmm. But she was already winning expert, expert singles at that point. So she's a. Uh, yeah, I remember her first worlds. It was I think it was 04. She was a baby. Mm hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. she was swaddled. So, uh, but yeah, but so, okay. So you went to Florida state, you did okay. And then, uh, after that, you just, I mean, obviously look, you're a fan of foosball like us. You love foosball. You have a problem. You're addicted. You can't stop. So you, 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 you how many tournaments do you hit a year? Roughly? I mean, not counting COVID, but I mean, like now, uh, you just hit the kickoff, right? You're gonna, how many tournaments do you plan to play this year? Maybe three or four. The thing is that my, my issue is that, I, okay, I, like I came to New York City, but then my university is not in New York City, so it's in, in mm -hmm. Connecticut. Mm -hmm. It's in so Connecticut, I went yeah. To New, yeah. I took the train to New Haven, and then I, I realized that there's just no one to play foosball with, so it was mm -hmm. kind of sad. And so essentially, yes, for me, I can either go and practice in the New, in, in the New York City area, or I can just to tournaments so in a way tournaments is my only way to practice these days. so so having a table at the house what's like what's your pra practice regimen like like do you practice every day you touch your table every day do you have like focus practice that you do or is it just fooling around like what's what's that look like for you well it changed over time a lot i think sort of Maybe just when I started playing on Tornado, I was just getting used to the table. I was just trying to do ball control and trying to do the same thing that I was doing on Garlanda. Just sort of understanding how to make an adjustment. These days, I've changed the practice a bit. So I'm sort of still learning about the shots and like about the passes, the execution. I always had some problems with my snake shot. Like... When I, when I would shoot, I would somehow move my body. Like, my 
Mm. You know, if you want to shoot a good good snake shot, you have to I- isolate your arm. Like I, I had the problem that I would rotate with the shot, and so I was just right. to fix it in some ways just by figuring out stand properly. But now I think I just have a series of drills that I do for the five bar, for the shot, for the two bar, and so I just do that. Maybe before the tournament, I try to practice like one hour per day, sometimes more. But when there's no tournament, I don't practice that much. But when there's no tournament, you're really, you're just, you're not really playing. Like you don't really, you don't touch your table. You just basically focus on school and, and, and your daily life. That's exactly, yeah. So the school takes a lot of time and takes a lot of focus. Because in a way, yeah, I'm, if I'm doing research, it, like I have to sort of constantly think about it. And so... Yeah, unless I go to New York City, sometimes I go to New York City and do a foosball weekend where I say I go there on Friday, stay at my friend's place there, and so we play on Friday, on Saturday, and maybe a bit on Sunday. So cool. that's the other way for me to practice. Yeah, you get you get an itch, right? You get an itch, and you go down to the city, and you, you scratch the itch, and then you come back, and you get back to normal and focus on school and do what you got to do. So So leading up to the kickoff, um, you know, obviously you were putting in some practice, like what were your goals going into the, obviously, you know, we go to these tournaments with certain expectations. Some of us, you know, our mindset is, is a certain way, you know, going into this tournament, were you going in expecting to do well in expert singles? Were you going in expecting to, you know, make a dent in pro singles or were you going in with the mindset of, I just want to go play well and see what happens? I was going on with the mindset of just want I just want to play well and I want to play smart. Mm. So I just want to try like sort of give everything that I have at the tournament and sort of just play the way I want to play and yeah play smart and just listen to what my my mentor Victor is trying to teach me mm-hmm. because I think sort of before meeting Victor and before playing with him I was playing a lot just. I was relying on my technique a lot where like I would know that I could execute things that the other person could not do. I wasn't reading as much while I'm mm-hmm. playing, but now I'm trying to read a lot more. So just sort of remember the sequences that people are showing me, rem- like read the patterns and just focus on what I'm doing, why I'm doing, sort of why I did this and like why the person blocked me, recreating the situations the way Tony talk- always talks about it. So I've just learning about this aspect of the game a bit more. So my goal was to just sort of focus on that, stay disciplined. I actually didn't have any expectations about singles because I know that to win singles, you need to play a lot of singles. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can, it's hard to control the slot. I was more yeah. focused on doubles. Okay, you were focused on doubles, but you did good in singles. So yeah, <laughs> let's let's right. let's talk about expert singles for a second. You know, so expert singles was not championship style. So there there was a winners bracket and a losers bracket, right? So you you played you played well, and you ended up playing for king seat, correct? Yes. And then you ended up losing the king seat match. Yes, I got completely destroyed it was like five one five two i thought that ouch no way i'm gonna beat this guy okay completely (laughs) completely destroyed but this is the thing you got completely destroyed right and then um 
came back. Who'd you play in the losers? Who'd you play for one of the losers? Do you remember? Uh, I played against Donald Wilson. Donald Wilson. Okay. Now okay. Donald Wilson, you know, he's a, he's a friend of the show. I love Mr. Donald and Donald's a, he's a good player. He's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, he's an old pro. He's got a lot of tricks. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, the fact that you beat Donald says a lot. Um, how did that match go? Did you kind of, did you beat up on him really good? Did he try to mess with your head? Like, how was that match? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect against him because I've never played him in singles before. Mm, okay. And so uh, I think he surprised me quite a bit because, I don't know, I, I, like he was doing things on the table that I just don't expect from a person of that level. Like, he would shoot snake shot from the two bar. Yep. Like, he would do a lot of quick things, like quick shots. But this type of game, I'm fine with that. I can, because I played on Garlando, I'm used to people playing quickly. And so this is this doesn't bother me that much. So sort of, he beat me in the first game. I was still very sort of confident that I could win that because it was close. So we were not blocking each other. It was 1-1, one, 2-2, one, 3-3, two, 4-4. Two, three, three, four, four. And so, okay, he won me in the first game. In the second game, I, I think I started with the boss. So I thought, oh, if the game continues like that, I'm going to win. Uh, actually, it was not the case. He made some adjustments. I think he sort of was up for three. Then I blocked him. It was 4-4. Four, four. Then on 4-4, four, four, I scored a very good long pull shot out of the back. And mm. I wasn't expecting that. And Too so, rough. Nice. I think... Yeah, it gave me an advantage in the next game because I think he just was a bit shocked that I can do that. And so my two bar was, yeah, my two bar was doing pretty well in this tournament. And I think previous matches that I won in the winners bracket, I was scoring like two or three per game from the back. Oh wow! I just, yeah, I was just watching Sammy Dijon play, and like, I don't know, why, I guess he inspired me. I started shooting the ball a bit more like him, and like my pull shot improved a lot. Mm -hmm. So my two bar gave me a lot of easy wins. That's yep. that's yeah, Sam. You know, Sam. We talk about Sam a lot on the show because Sam is, uh, you know, local to Tom. He's my kid. And, uh, He's my kid. Yeah. Come on. And 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 I've watched Sam. <laughs> kind of grow i know his dad for a long time and you know but sam's a big boy now and he's hitting the ball like a man so his his oh. two rod is has gotten really nasty but um you know a guy like donald will surprise you and and like you said he did things that you wouldn't expect and that tends to frustrate a lot of people but mm -hmm. the fact that you know you're like oh, i'm used to it it's not a big deal and you just played and uh so you pull out the the losers bracket match going back into the final having just been rolled by this guy thinking you have no chance, what's your mindset going into that final? Like, Good what's question. your game plan? Yeah. Oh, well, I think once again, my strategy first was just to fight as hard as I can. So I knew, okay, this guy is probably smarter than me. He blocks me well. I don't, know about, can... I, don't know about, I don't know about smarter, buddy. I don't know about smarter. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know about smarter than you. So <laughs> he didn't go to Yale. I can tell you that much. He didn't go to Yale. So anyway. <laughs> Well, the other thing I did is I went to my room after the my loss, and so I watched the game, and also I just talked with my mentor, and we analyzed the game a bit, and so we discussed what should I work on in the next match, and so gave me some advice on what should I do if I want to sort of block the person more, because I think the issue in the first match is that I couldn't block a single shot, 
like he was passing a hundred percent on me and he was scoring a hundred percent like i yeah i've never played against him before so i think yeah, i just didn't choose the right defense against his shot so then i talked they made some adjustments and so i thought okay let's see what's gonna happen in terms of percentages after i make those adjustments and then i was try sort of sort of decided what I'm going to do in the back, and then I was just focused on the offense. Like, well, maybe it's going to be that I will not be able to block him at all, so I just need to pass and score, and then see. we'll see what happens. That was my plan. That's pretty simple. Yeah. And obviously you executed your plan, so... So it was um, a, a double dip in the finals. Yeah. Yeah, was it was it three games first set, three games second set, or was it did the mat did, did the finals match go kind of how the winners bracket did except for you? Did you did you beat them up pretty good, or was it was it a match? It was a match. I think every game was close, but I think every game I won five four. So it was four games in a row with a score of five four. Cool. So it was four straight. Yeah, that's good. So when so you he won the winners bracket and then you came out. How long was it between the king seat match and the final? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was maybe three or four hours. So I had quite that's, a bit of time to prepare. Right. Yeah, that's not that's not bad though, because I've seen it. I've seen it be where that you know the king seat matches is one day and then the finals is the next day. So you know you you were able to stay warm, obviously playing. Um, and, and he, it's not like he got to sit around and get cold. You know, we all played a lot of foosball. So, but that's, you know, that's a good win, man. I'm telling how many players were in there. If it was like 70 something players in expert singles, right? It was about 70, 73 players. I deep think. Field. 73. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this the, is this the deepest field you've ever won a tournament in? Yes, I think so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Sometimes it's just the small adjustments that make it. Look, I'll tell you a story. I played Jake Barnett in singles, Louisiana State, a couple of years ago. Uh, expert singles. And he beat me match ball. I scored one goal for my three rod. Jake blocked the crap out of me. And I, after the match, I said, if I score two goals for my three rod, I'll beat him. Two goals. <laughs> and then I, I played him for winner of the losers. And I scored two goals from my three rod and I beat him. So uh, sometimes it's just that one thing that makes a difference. So, you know, and, and the fact that you have somebody that you can go back and talk to, I mean, that makes a huge, huge difference. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of us, we have, we have mentors and we have people we can talk to and it does make a difference. Another thing that makes a huge difference is inside foos, having the ability to go watch the matches. Yes. Man, it's like because when you're when you're playing, you you're seeing things a certain way, right? And then when you're watching and you're actually seeing it from the end of the table, it's like, oh man, I you know, that's not what I thought it was. So you're able to make those adjustments now, like day of, where before you'd have to go home, order the DVD set, wait four weeks, let it come in, watch the match. So. um it does it does make a really really big difference so um congratulations on your expert singles when that's a big win um, big time outside of expert singles how was the rest of the weekend for you so the other event that i was really excited to play with was pro doubles with uh bruce welton yes yep yeah we i think we we won two in the winners bracket of pro doubles and then yep. we lost to uh, Bruce Nardosi. Nardosi, yeah. And, yeah. and Ben, ben Winnell. 
and that bad went off. And it was a close match, and we should have won that match because it was it was a fight. So I think it was five games. We were up four one in the fifth game, but we ended oh. up losing. I wow. made what happened? Crucial mistakes. So I feel what happened? Wow, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. Those guys, those guys ended up finishing like fifth or fourth or something. They Look, did. Bruce and I. Do you know who Bruce is, Ivan? Do you know who he is? Bruce, Bruce has been around for a long time. Bruce is a really, really smart guy. I don't want to stay speak out of turn, but I think he's some kind of physicist or something. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but Bruce is a super smart guy. He's a Bonzini pro. Big he's time. a tornado pro. He's like, yep. yeah, he's like a four thousand point tornado pro. Great, great goalie. Super smart guy. Um, we call him the front pin stallion. He shoots that front pin. Anyway, um, <laughs> to loot, to loot, look, to, to be up four one and, and lose doesn't surprise me because I've seen him just block and block and block and block. So, you know, going back to that match, you know, what, what would you have changed? All time out, let Bruce shoot one. What, like what, what happened being up four one? You think that's, you put that away. That's easy. So what happened? I think we didn't have, timeouts in the end of the game because I used them sort of at key points to gain the lead. But I think okay. we had only one timeout left when it was like 3-1 or something. Okay. Uh, I think the reason why we lost was that I just sort of lost focus a bit and just got tired, I think. I haven't mm. played a lot of uh, 3 out of 5 matches in, because in experts usually it's 2 out of 3 yeah, yeah. It's a totally different animal. You have to stay focused. And so in the end I wasn't reading as well. Like I could I lost confidence in my pass. I couldn't mm. read on the shot. So yeah, I just felt very tired. And so then like I recovered my five bar towards the end of the match. I just switched from a brush to a tic tac series. And so I was yep. passing pretty well. But I couldn't read the defense that well. And so what I should have done, I should have started shooting trick shots or something, but <laughs> or, yeah, or just pin it, pin it and go. So, look, sometimes people don't understand. Sometimes you just got to set it up and go because mm -hmm. it's just, you know, when you get blocked three, four in a row and you're out of timeouts, you know, and you've been taking your time and trying to read the D, sometimes you just got to set up the ball and go. Yep. And, and um, you know, especially against a guy like that who's who's seasoned and been around and, uh, you know, but pro doubles being three out of five. I, I, I thought was great. What did you think about one pro doubles being now three out of five and going forward, IFP deciding that singles pro singles and doubles is going to be three out of five. And then what did you think about the championship format? I actually liked it a lot. I think cool. well, it's more like the way I play tournaments in Europe. I think you have more time to make adjustments and it's just, I think it's a bit less tiring. I didn't have to wait as long for my matches. I understand that in the U.S. the tradition is to play the winner's bracket and the loser's bracket. But so for me, like I don't have, I'm not sort of used to this tradition, so I'm fine with both formats. But I think I just like that I didn't have to wait for the matches, and I also like playing three out of five. I think it's sort of more mm -hmm. like there is less randomness happening. Mm. More time for strategies yeah. too, for sure, to adjust. Yeah, yeah but. Yeah, but Bruce, yeah, he's a very smart player. I think I remember on like 4-2 or something, I took a timeout, and so I talked with my goalie. And my goalie gave me, my goalie reads the defense, and so he gave me some advice on sort of 
what shot to do. Bruce, I think he specifically changed the defense on that possession. So that plan, it was not good for the defense uh. that he used. Even though before that timeout, he was using sort of a very specific defense, same every possession. So somehow mm. he figured out that probably I'm going to do something different. And so he changed his defense. Huh. That's experience for you. Yeah. Bruce has always spoke very highly of you. He enjoys playing with you. Um, and, and Bruce is a guy that, uh, you know, again, I've known Bruce for almost 20 years. I love Bruce Welton. He's, he's, a he's one of my best friends, great guy. And he and I have had success playing together. Um, but he's just easy, man. He's easy to play with. He gets you blocks. He'll get you some goals. He clears the ball well. Um, and, and he's just got a ton of experience. So, um, you know, playing with a guy like that kind of makes it easy for you where you can just focus on what you need to do and, and you don't have to worry about what he's doing. Um, you know, so having, having a partner like that in a, in a pro doubles three out of five match or three out of five event, um, you know, like I, like I said, I've had success when we, we got fifth at, um, at the Masters, and then we got third in open doubles in Mississippi, and we beat some really, really good teams. And Bruce just played great. He's just – he's consistent, and I think that's what you want in a mm -hmm. goalie. So, um, you know, like I said, Evo, he's always spoke very, very highly of you. He enjoys playing with you. So, um, But, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd snatch him up if, uh, if, if anybody's listening. He's a keeper. You need, you need a goalie. That's the guy right there, Bruce Welton. That's, so That's the man. Um, yeah. I'm curious, you know, when it comes to playing well as a singles player, um, do you have to be a, a really good singles player to be successful in doubles? Is that is that your opinion, Ivan? No, I don't think so. I think in singles, you can just play at a very high pace and a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. So this helps you win matches. I think in doubles, thinking and sort of strategy... But well, yeah, it's a lot more important. I, I actually like doubles more. Okay. I like to play slow, I think. I like to take a lot of time. I like to read. I'm, I don't think I'm as good at making sort of quick decisions on the fly. But sort of when I have enough time, when I wear out the defense, then I can, then I play my best. At least that's what my goalies typically tell me. If I try to play like, say, Evan McGregor, I, I cannot do that. Okay. If I take my time, if I play slow, methodically, then I can actually win. Do you consider Evan McGregor uh, a nemesis? I mean, is that because we all have somebody, you know, especially those who are, who are playing at your level, have somebody they just want to beat, and and they're they're going to do everything they can to do that. Would that would Evan McGregor fit that profile for you? No, I don't think so. I'm not. I don't have an emotional attachment to winning okay. against him. I think maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like some some people have uh, certain characters that, that they just you know when they see them come up against them at, across the table, they just I gotta I gotta beat this person. And, you know, maybe from uh, from past experience or something, but they have like this uh, this idea that uh, this person is my nemesis. I've heard that so a few probably times. Probably my coach from Russia is my nemesis. Alexander <laughs> Markov. <laughs> probably nobody in the U.S. knows him. But, like I've never won against him. Really? I only won against him once when I came back to Russia and we played a match on Tornado. Oh. So, but before that, in a tournament, I couldn't win against him. He would just. 
Like I had zero chance, even though even if I tried, it was just so much better. Is there any reason why he doesn't come over here to compete? Uh, no reason. He actually wanted to go. I think he had some issues with getting a visa, but I think he might come. The other thing is that he needs, well, to come here and actually do well in a tournament, I think he needs to get a tornado table. Okay. But I think that these days he's mostly playing on Leonhardt. Which is a good yeah. table. I mean, that's uh, especially if you're going to play World Cup. That's that's a that's a great table to be on. Uh, I like it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, it's it's honestly my favorite table. Yeah. I like it more than Tornado. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I love uh, you. You can do anything on Leonhard. I love those tables. Look at your face, bro. You you look surprised. <laughs> look, I've I. You have to you have to understand, Ivan. I will play on anything. I'll play on anything. I love foosball, man. I'll play on any table. I don't care if you got a Walmart table. If you want to play, I want to play. I always want to play foosball. I touched a Leonhardt for the first time. It was 2019, mm -hmm. and I fell in love. Mm -hmm. I instantly fell in love. Everything I could do, dude. I could do anything on that table. I love that table. That's if a... they, if they ever, if they ever have a Leonhardt tour in this country, I will support it 100. percent I wouldn't be surprised, actually. I uh, wouldn't be I'm, sa I'm saving my I'm saving my shekels to get one. Yeah. Incidentally, I mean, we look at European uh, players uh, as a whole. I mean, obviously there are several countries making up uh, the the, uh, the entire base of uh, Europe, but it seems that most people who play in Europe have multiple table skills far beyond what we have here in this country because we're so enamored mm -hmm. by the tornado table. We really do need to kind of say, you know what? If we're going to do some at least regional tournaments, we should do specifically a couple of different tables at those tournaments just because, you know, just because it's 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 fun. But at the same time, it helps us, you know, really kind of look better to the rest of the world, if you forgive the expression. No, and I think that's part of the reason why a lot of the Canadian guys are so well developed because yes. you know they they have that training center and they have multi table they all play multi table and yep. it just teaches you you get very well rounded you don't just like tornadoes just hard and fast where you play these other tables like Garlando and you learn finesse and you learn mm -hmm. you know how to grab loose balls and do things that you you know it, all that transitions I mean when you learn like even Bonzini I've heard people say I hate Bonzini I don't hate uh. I love Bonzini if you again like you go play on Bonzini for a day and you come back to tornado you find yourself grabbing balls that you couldn't grab before and doing things you couldn't do mm -hmm. it all transitions all of it it's all foosball you know it's it's we can't put foosball in a box, right? I play tornado. Like I, I heard Mario Riganello say this years and years and years ago. He said, "I don't play tornado. I play foosball," and and for me that was, I mean, that just blew my mind because it's true. Like I, I play foosball, man. I'll play on anything. I love it. So, um, you know, but uh, again, I, I, I'm not going off on a tangent, uh, you know. But for you, <laughs> Ivan, look, you're, you're in, you're in Connecticut, right? I'm originally from Massachusetts. I know the Northeast very well. I know the Northeast base very well. I do know that in Connecticut, there is not a lot of foosball. Okay. Correct. I do. I do know there's a couple guys. One guy in particular, his name's Eric Chagno. I, I hope I pronounced that. Steve correctly. Bell. Steve Bell is also there. 
Anthony Bell's another guy. Yeah. I don't know how far they are from you, uh, but we have our guys too in Southeastern Mass, but you're talking like an hour and a half away, and I'm sure you don't have a vehicle. But if you wanted to play foosball, I could make it happen, man. I get somebody to come snatch you up, take you up to New Bedford or Fall River for the weekend. You'd have to bring like a bulletproof vest. Uh, <laughs> but they would they would they would they would feed you. Oh yeah. And 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 you could play some foosball and then they come bring you back. But um, you know, I understand, like I said, you're busy you're busy trying to get your PhD, man, which is pretty awesome. When when are you gonna be done with school? Oh this this depends on what like I end up doing. Is, uh, I'm right now in my fifth year. Mm. So the way it works is that initially in the first couple of years, you take classes and you're working on your dissertation. So you just write papers, you, you try to publish them. Then you prepare for the job market. And then it depends if you're going to industry, if you say want to go and work at a company like at a bank or at a hedge fund mm -hmm. or a tech company, or you go into academia and you try to become a professor. So that usually is a bit harder, I think more competitive, because there are not that many professorship positions. So your research has to be stellar, has to be really polished. So either I will graduate next year and just get a job at a company, or I might stay for one more year and try to pursue the dream of becoming a professor Oh, wow. In, cool. An American university. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Okay, so here's the thing. Your subject is e economics. We're talking about foosball. Coming from, from someone like yourself who is very educated when it comes to economics, what the hell is wrong with foosball economics? What are we doing wrong? <laughs> I don't think we have I don't think we have enough time for this, Tom. I don't think we have enough time for this. <laughs> I gotta ask. No. So Please. just uh just off the top of your head, what uh, what do we need to do economically speaking to make uh, foosball better? Well, I think I mean it's a basic question of demand and supply. Yes, that's right. right now, one nice thing that sort of helps foosball is that there are all those digital platforms that allow crowdfunding. So mm. in a way, if there are some wealthy people who are really in love with foosball, they can just donate money and oh sure, maybe help out the players. Oh, so before that was. It was difficult to do, I think. Now it's much easier. But in general, if we want to make more money, we need more demand from the audience. And so we need people to watch foosball. Right. I think right now we don't have this. And so your podcast, I think, helps a lot because people can actually oh. listen about foosball. I don't know if there are a lot of sort of people outside of foosball listening to this, but it's I think it's quite interesting. And okay. so I think this is very helpful. Like ideally, we need to figure out a way to make people who are not foosball pros watch foosball. Maybe right. get some sort of WWE element in the foosball. So oh yeah, like some sort of smack talk or something. Randy's got it. He's that's got it. That's what I said. That's what it. I said, bro. That's what I said. We need, we need, we need, we need baby faces and heels. That's what we need. Good guys and bad guys. That's what we need, right? And then maybe you kick somebody or. You know, drop an elbow on them and whatever. But I I agree, right? It's it's not so much what happens on the table; it's it's the stuff away from the table that's gonna like people love reality TV for oh, whatever yeah. reason, right? Oh, yeah. Like if if we had a foosball tournament the on the drama. Jersey Shore, right? On the Jersey Shore, people <laughs> would watch this crap. It's ridiculous. But With the sits. I'm just yeah, that's what I mean. Like 
people lose their minds over this dumb stuff. And we, like, like I said, man, there are people watching cornhole, right? I was at Mississippi State a couple of years ago in the restaurant at the tournament eating, and they had they had professional tag on ESPN. Professional tag, tag. and oh. and we can't we can't get a sponsor. Wow. But the foosball, I think the main issue with foosball is that it's very fast. So it's hard for a person who has never watched it before oh, true. to actually watch it. Oh, true. Say, cornhole is slow. It's a bag going in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a, just case in so point, it's... case in point this past Friday night at our local DYP in Clifton Park. Uh, we had 12 players, pretty good turnout. We had uh, we had streaming and, and uh, we had some people passing by who had just been at a local concert, you know, next door, just coming through just to, to, to check it out. And they stood there and they watched the screen and they were, they were watching what was happening on the table. And the look on their faces was, wow. Wow, I used to kind of play this when I was in grade school and high school. You guys are nuts, and they just kind of turned around and walked away. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of you know even in person it's difficult because they just they're so intimidated. Well, I've heard it. in 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 tennis they had this issue where the game was just very too fast, and so they made the ball slower. The mm-hmm. same with ping pong is that also to make it easier to watch, they made the ball slower. Mm-hmm. So that it's easier for a person, say on YouTube, who has never played ping pong, to just randomly click on the video and just watch the ball oh. bounce back. It's 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 <laughs> really. I mean, you think it's it's it would be that difficult to to watch, but it is. It's it's challenging. Um, but yeah, no, it's we we've got a. I mean, we we've, we've got a way. I think uh, of doing this. It just we haven't uh, come together to make it happen. Yeah, I think we need to, the the right people in the right places mm-hmm. at the right time, and then and then I think we need to get a little lucky. I really do. Oh. I mean, you know, it's well, it's just it's all, it's all got to fall into place. So, but you know, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I said I I just have this feeling that something's going to happen with foosball here soon. Yes, like I feel like foosball is gonna like something's going to happen. Something's going to click. And foosball's going to get in front of the right set of eyes, and somebody's going to go, "Hey, we can make this profitable." And I, I don't huge. know. I just have a, I yeah, I just have a feeling. Yeah. I just have a feeling. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm overtired, or I don't know. Too much <laughs> cough syrup. I don't know, man. Something you but, ate. But um, <laughs> eh, something I ate. Anyway, <laughs> Ivan, buddy, what's what's the rest of the year looking like for you? What are the plans for for tournaments this year? Well, I might go. Texas State. Nice. Like I got Good a choice. bit confused. I don't really know when it's gonna happen because I think yeah, it's they, the Memorial weekend, but now they yeah, have this ITSF they just tournament. posted that weird. They just posted that weird thing. Yeah, I don't know what. We're that trying to is. figure that out. Yeah, ITSF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gold series, and it's uh, it's 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 a really interesting sounding uh, uh, tournament happening. What is it? May, May twenty fourth through twenty seventh. It's it's it's, it's Dallas. The, that weekend. Yeah, it's that weekend. It's Texas State weekend, and I was right. going to go to Texas State this year. I have I have great partners for Texas State. I have great. So anyway, you were going to go to Texas State. Or not? My partners are uh, supposed to play with Hannah and uh, pro doubles and Sullivan and open doubles. Nice. So, but but now it's like, what is Texas State? What is it? Is it's that Texas ITSF State? Is that what it's thing? supposed to be? I don't. So look, I, I'm telling the listeners now. I'm gonna try to get some information this week. I'm we gonna make some calls. Out. 
and hopefully I'm going to have some information for everybody for next week. I know there's some, some gossip on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but I'm going to, I'm going to call and see if I can get some information straight from the horse's mouth. So, um, anyway, all right, Texas state, what else you got lined up, bud? Well, I I might go to worlds. The thing is that this summer, Mm. I think I will be staying in New York city. So I'll do a summer internship there. Okay, cool. And so, yeah, I might play a bit more, and so I'll be more prepared for the Worlds. So maybe I'll go to Worlds as well. well. I'm planning on being there. Randy, how about you? I'll be there. Oh, yeah. 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 I already yeah. got my I got partners for Worlds, too. Nice. So I, I, I got my year lined up pretty good, man. So um, I, I know it's tough being in the Northeast, having to travel and, and do all that stuff. But mm. um, there's a tournament coming up. What's the weekend? Uh, actually, next Saturday, there's a tournament in Fall River. It'll be about an hour and a half from you. Wicked um, winner. In fall, yeah, the wicked winner. It's a one day. It's a DYP and a doubles in Fall River, Mass. You might want to look into it. Um, Don Carlos. But, yeah, my got my guys up there are throwing that thing. It should be pretty good. Um, Plus, we got a smashdown uh, coming up. By the way, March thirtieth. That's that's happening. Then you got that. Yeah. So, so so basically, Worlds is all contingent on you getting an internship, correct? Well, I have the internship. Oh, you already got. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bro. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. You already got. I keep forgetting how smart you are. <laughs> Randy. Well, man. the other dream I have is to go back to Europe and play a tournament there because these days they have quite a bit of tornado tournaments, like in the UK. I think. Yes. Every three months yeah. they have. See that a lot. Yeah. I have a lot of friends from Russia who moved there, so it would be just sort of. Not just for the tournament, but to see the people I love and like yep. how they're doing, yeah. and just sort of connect with them. When are you going back to Russia, by the way? Anytime soon? So I might go. I might go for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to say. Gotcha. It's, gotcha. Like the situation is very tricky there. Yeah. My oh, yeah. parents. It doesn't recommend me going, but I I don't see I don't see a problem there in a way that. I don't think that the situation these days is as bad as, say, it was two two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the main sort of reason for them being worried would be that I could go there and could get conscripted. Oh, so what does right. that mean? Military service. I'll have to go and serve in the military. Yeah. Oh, uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'll have to go and serve in the military when there's an active sort of campaign going on. Yeah. Gotcha. That is gotcha. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sounds I mean, so basically cuz in 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 Russia, once you turn 18, you have to serve in the military, right? And you have to serve or it's like there are some ways to avoid the service. Say if yep. you're always in the university, you don't have to serve. Okay. I think it will be tricky sort of to for me to claim that I'm in an American university. I don't know how that works. And the other thing if you say turn 30, then you don't have to serve anymore. Okay. And also if you if you have two or three kids, then I think you also don't have to serve. But there are certain ways to avoid the service if you don't want that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So maybe maybe you should maybe you should wait a little bit, wait till you turn thirty, and hang out and play football and see the fam. Stay yeah, with us. man. Yeah, no. <laughs> see, it used to be like that in Portugal. My family's from Portugal. Once you turned eighteen, you had to join the military and you had to serve for at least two years if there was no war going on. So, uh, you know, it's, it's different, you know, we, we live, we live very sheltered here. There are so many things going on that we don't know about right. globally. So, yep. um, you know, we only, we only consume the news we're fed. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, uh, 
I didn't realize all that, man. But um, mm -hmm. it's crazy. So your your family, they're okay. They're safe. Yeah, they're quite all right. I think they're doing well. Good. 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 That's good to know. May that may that always be the case. Absolutely. Thanks for um, yeah, man. Well, listen again. Thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations again on your ex expert singles win. Yeah. That's a big, big win. Huge. Um, you know. Um, you know, good luck with, with school this year. If you need anything, just let me know, man. Again, I still have a lot of, a lot of connection in the Northeast. I can, I can put you on, I can hook you up, whatever you need. And uh, again, as far as foosball goes, same thing, man. If you ever just want to talk foosball, you got my number, bro. Hit me up. And uh, I look forward to seeing you out on tour. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and please come down to the Smashdown March 30th. I think we'd, uh, we'll have some fun, but uh, man, I've been, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us on Foos Talk Live. I'm looking forward to the next opportunity. And, uh, yeah, kill them on the table, man. Go get them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Foos Talk Thank Live. Thank you so much, guys. It was an yeah. honor. Oh, you're oh, I'm sorry. I no, no, no. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. It was an honor. You. Yep. You're very welcome. It was fun. It's... Like, I actually expected more questions, but I guess we'll save them for next time. Next time. time. Oh, there's, there's always uh, going to yeah, be next, next time. time. Yeah, next time you win something, we'll have you on again. Cool. Okay, I'll, I'll try hard. <laughs> All right. That's it, buddy. Ivan, have a great night. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Foos Talk Live. And we'll be back again next week with another edition. Next week will be episode number 197. But for tonight, we do have uh, Foos Talk Live's Tournament Beat coming up next. Foosball tournaments are everywhere. Foos Talk Live proudly presents a weekly update of events near you with the Foos Talk Live Tournament Beat. Here's what's up. Don't miss the 2024 South Dakota State Foosball Championships, February 23rd through the 25th at Royal River Casino and Hotel, Flandro, South Dakota. The 508 Foosball Club presents the first annual Wicked Winter Foosball Tournament, February 24th at Don Carlos in Fall River, Massachusetts. Get ready for the 716 Buffalo Foosball Open, February 24th, Riverworks Buffalo, New York. Don't miss the 2024 Arnold Sports Festival $5,000 Foosball Championships, March 1st through the 3rd, Columbus Convention Center, Columbus, Ohio. It's the $4,000 Bonzini East Coast Foosball Championships, March 1st through the 3rd at Peabody's Nightclub, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Plan your vacation with the 2024 Costa Rica Summer Beach Tournament, March 7th through the 10th, Amapola Casino and Beach Hotel in Jaco, Costa Rica. It's the 2024 Wisconsin State Championship, set for March 21st through the 24th at the Clarion Hotel in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's the Utah Foosball Bash, March 22nd through 24th at Murray Eagles, Salt Lake City, Utah. 518 Foosball presents the Mad March Smashdown, March 30th at Trick Shots Billiards and Wicked Eatery, Clifton Park, New York. Two Gun Productions presents the 2024 Oklahoma State Championship, April 4th through the 7th at Magoo's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The 2024 Canadian Foosball Tour continues with the Canadian Hall of Fame Open, April 5th through the 7th. Tailgaters Sports, Entertainment and Food, Ottawa, Canada. International Foosball Promotions presents the 2024 Hall of Fame Classic, April 17th through the 21st at the Westgate Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. PDX Foosball presents Moneyball 2024. That's May 9th through the 12th 
at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Portland, Oregon. The ITSF proudly presents the World Series of Tornado 2024, May 24th through the 27th at the Westin Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, Dallas, Texas. The 2024 Illinois State Championships, June 7th through the 9th, Poplar Creek Bowl, Hoffman Estates, Illinois. International Foosball Promotions presents the 2024 National Championships and North American Cup, scheduled for June 26th through the 30th, or details coming soon. The 2024 Tornado Championships officially on August 28th through September 2nd at the Clarion Hotel in Lexington, Kentucky. The 2024 Florida State Championship and Masters Open coming up September 26th through the 29th at Holiday Inn in Clearwater, Florida. Mark your calendar for the 2024 Michigan State Championships, October 11th through the 13th in Lansing, Michigan. More details coming soon. Two Gun Productions present the 2024 Halloween Open, October 31st through November 3rd at Magoo's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's the 2024 North Carolina State Championships, November 28th through December 1st at the Crown Plaza in Asheville, North Carolina. Each week, we do our best to give you the most up-to-date listing of foosball tournaments near you. If you have an event you'd like to add, send us all the details at info at foosballradio.com. Tune in every week for the Foos Talk Live Tournament Beat. Foos Talk Live is a product of Foosball Radio. With gratitude, we recognize our Foosball Radio Patreons, our Foos Talk Live sponsor, original-leonhart-usa.com. And thanks to InsideFoos.com for use of their audio during the show. Tune in again next week for another episode of Foos Talk Live. In the meantime, we'll see you at Foosin'.